Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Truth Podcast with Calvin Olivas. Uh, just here on a, on a brief real note here. Um, going to be with you guys for the next 20, 30 minutes, depending on how long this podcast goes. But I was just hit with a truth bomb over the course of the last several hours. I was on my laptop and suddenly I got the prompting from God. And he told me, write down what I'm telling you right now, because it's very important for you to understand that this is the direction the new church is going to go in in the foreseeable future. And this is the way we must be led in the spirit and convicted in God's will, as opposed to the church of the past. We must be led by his spirit. We must be led by his word, by his will, by his knowledge, not ours, by his commands, not human commands. Because what he told me is that he's fed up. God is fed up. He is fed up at the weak leaders that govern the false church that has done a great job over the last several decades of impersonating the truth the true church had in the past. He is fed up with incompetent leaders who have hardened their ears to his spirit. He is fed up with the liars that sit in the pews on Sunday mornings. He is fed up with the greediness of the church and its leaders who say they're in church because of the love they have for God, while secretly staying involved in the body of Christ for love of money and power. He is fed up at the heretics who call the church home, who boastfully state that they can live in sin and call themselves Christians. He is disgusted by those who lust after earthly possessions and call themselves his sons and daughters. He is repulsed by the vile emasculation of his men at the hands of false feminine doctrine. He is tired of being pushed around in his own church. Over the course of the last century or so, I guess you could say, we have seen the church's rise and its sad decay. Now, this decay is not materialistic in its terms, but it is because of materialism that the church has fallen away. We have pastors now that preach prosperity doctrine, promising those who convert to Christianity that they will have a better marriage for it. They will no longer suffer on earth, that they will reap earthly treasures because of their faithfulness. People like Joel Osteen, supposed pastors and ministers, have raped the church of its glory and stolen away the spiritual fruits that once made such places a sanctuary for those looking for eternal rewards, not worldly wishes. These false teachers, whom Christ and his apostles warned us about time and time again in the New Testament, know what they do, and they do it without conviction anyway. They say they're for the word of God when they're only interested in serving themselves. They see people as numbers, as objects, as money, that they can use to enrich their own gains in this fallen world. They have long since abandoned God, and in turn, God has abandoned them. It's why when one goes to these churches, they feel no conviction. They don't seek repentance, and they don't feel the Spirit moving among the populace, among the parishioners. Why, why should God be loyal to secular adulteresses and adulterers when they obviously are not to Him? This phenomenon of depraved living in the American church can be felt in a great majority of churches in this country. And it is only getting worse as time goes on because leaders in these positions continue to let the devil and the evil forces dwelling on this earth to penetrate the will of the church from the outside in. They continue to let them in 
and it's not stopping. It's just not stopping. These pastors do not work on behalf of God, but on behalf of the devil, their true father. They lie like him, and this is how you know they're descended from him. They distract from the real topics because they claim that people already feel convicted. Therefore, they feel no need to preach conviction. I was once with a pastor sitting down with him face to face here in Imperial Valley, and he told me, yeah, I don't really preach those hard topics because I feel like people already kind of understand that and they don't need extra conviction to get along. Well, then why are you a pastor? Why are you in a position to preach if you're not going to convict people, if you're not going to show them the truth in love? Why why are you just going to give them these false doctrines? Why are you going to preach watered-down sermons, degenerative preaching, falsely labeled progressive, on topics like grace, while willfully steering clear of messages on judgment and repentance. And again, people like him, they do this methodically. Pastors like this do this methodically to keep the people like drones in the seats. Mindless, weak, pathetic, unmoving, stagnant. And in doing this, they stagnate the river of truth that flows from the word of God while they gain mortal possessions. The church in America has become a den of fat slobs and pigs like a growing majority of the people in this country. The church has become lazy like a growing majority of people in this country. It has failed to produce like it used to like the people in this country. Its leaders have become corrupt like the leaders of this country. Its messaging has become empty like the promises that flow from Washington, D.C., Its rhetoric is tasteless, its softness palpable, and the devil continues to lure the hearts and minds of those placed in authority of the church until their positions give way to a false authority in him. Now, to the leaders in these positions, I say this. God is sickened by your ineptitude. He is repelled by your wickedness. He is inflamed by your wasting away of his message. And he's ashamed that you've wasted your talents by doing the work of the devil. He is rising a new generation up to overtake you and claim the body of Christ back. He is not going to negotiate this with you. He's not going to ask you to relieve yourself of your post. He will simply take it back because it's his to begin with, and no one on earth will ever deny the will of the only true living God. Now to the church led by these men and women of false authority, I say this, wake up. You've been asleep way too long. You've allowed for the church's corruption to continue because you're comfortable. You like the messages because they don't speak truth. And in this, you have become as destructive as those working from the pulpit on behalf of the devil. Stand up and fight for the values that make the body of Christ its holy self. Do not settle for anything less than the truth, for doing so will inevitably lead you to your annihilation from God's eternal plans. Do the will of the Lord, not the will of religion. Seek Him, not the pastors who pray on your mind. Stop relying on others to read the Bible to you and start cracking it open on more days than just Sunday. Stop trying to justify your sins and start confronting them through the power we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Quit falsifying the doctrine given to us from above because doing so will lead to eternal death and damnation and suffering in the deepest, darkest 
furnaces of hell. To those called to be in the new church, do not be discouraged by the voices that will say inevitably that you are for division within the body of Christ. For these people are liars acting on Satan's mandate. They're upset at the prospect of losing the gains they've made in the whole church. They've relied heavily on the complacent attitudes they espouse onto their parishioners. These people fear movement in general, but especially in a positive Christ-led direction, which tells you all you need to know about these weak-minded fools. We, the rising new church, are simply acting on a directive given to us by the one who holds the stars and planets in his hands. He who moves the mountains into form is now moving us into a form that will ready his true church for when the day of the Lord comes upon us all here on the earth. Do not be intimidated by the thoughts and words of people configured with lesser minds and ideas, for they're merely repeating shouts demons whispered in their ears. Do not be afraid to confront lies with the truth. Do not be conformed to the deceptive spirits lurking in every corner of this earth, feeding you self-doubt as we head in this direction together. These spirits will find their ultimate destiny in the pits of hell, and we will rejoice glorious at our triumph over them in heaven. We in the church must act not according to the will of those around us, nor our authority leaders in government or in any other such places, but according to the will of God alone, outlined in the scriptures. It is through the use of the Bible that in all facets of our lives, along with its constant application in our lives, that we are able to have eternal life. The old church has made a, a mockery of the word, establishing its own interpretation onto the text of God's holy script and perverting everything in it to its use like children of the devil would. This is perhaps what makes the old church so twisted in its behavior, so grotesque in its trajectory, that it forces us as true believers to a divorce entirely from it. As 1 John 2.15 outlines very clearly to us, do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. More directly, James outlines it very bluntly in the fourth chapter and fourth verse of his letter, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The church has been sleeping with the world, folks. This is not some mystery. If you read your Bibles and walk around for five minutes in any church in America, you can feel the whorish spirits that call the church home. They edit out the sins described in the Bible depending on when they are committing them. They bend the rules to their advantage and openly mock God by still proclaiming they live and serve Him as if God is blind or a fool. Judgment is coming on such people who fail to hear the Spirit and lend their ear to righteousness. Righteousness is coming. The wrath of God will be shown on people who obstruct His vision for the new church. And He will strike them down as He struck down the Philistines to prepare for His chosen people, Israel, so many years ago. He made a way for them then, and He's making a way for us right now. Let us answer the call. Let us take up our shields our armor. Let us engage the enemy in combat. Let us be strong in our faith. Let it shine out from us like light from atop a hill. 
Let it flourish in our lives so as to let people of the world know what we are, who we are in Christ, what we represent so that they too can come to know the power and awesomeness of our Lord and Savior. The devil is getting bold in his attempts to bend the world to his will. Let us now return the favor and demonstrate our boldness, found in God Almighty, to expel him from our presence as we grow this new church and seek out the aims and needed to fulfill the promise of God in our lives and in the world. We have to, folks. We have to. We cannot stand for this disgusting display of Christianity to continue. We have to stand by the courage of our convictions and knowing that God put us on this earth to be the difference, to be the change that no one else will be. Like I said, people in the church, they don't want to change. They don't like change. They don't want to go in that direction because that requires work on their part and they love not working. They love just sitting in the pews, sitting at the pulpit, standing there talking to the congregation, not really getting anything done, not really getting anything uh, moving in the direction that God wants to move. For many years now, I've been sitting in church, in my home church, at Faith Assembly, and I have not felt the prompting of God, the Spirit, move in that assembly for quite some time. There has not been any direct message that has been given to me by God saying His Spirit is in that church. And that church is the biggest in this valley. So what does that say about the churches in this valley. What does that say about the churches in California? Because Imperial Valley is very conservative, very religious. So what does it say about all the other churches in California? What does it say about the churches in America? We are weak. We're weak because we've let ourselves become weak. Again, going back to the idea that we've watered down our messages. We've conformed our thinking to the world's thinking. We haven't bent to God's will, but to the world's will, to the devil's will. Because it's convenient, because you get more money that way as a pastor, as a church, because the church is pretty much right now, the way it's running, it's a racket. The more money they get, the more people they get in the pews, the more money, obviously, and the more money they get, the more satisfied they are, and more reason to not change direction. And that's how the church has become corrupt. They've listened to the greedy voices, the lustful voices, the envious, the covetous voices, the worldly voices, the demonic voices that have been telling them, nah, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't do what God is telling his church to do. You are the church, yes, but only in name. And the church has settled on that proposition. They've said, okay, all right, I guess we're just going to sit here for 50 years, die, having not changed a single thing on earth, but dying, feeling content and satisfied with ourselves. The church has become selfish. The church is not about going out and reaching anymore. It's about taking care of number one, from the pastor on down to the last person that walked in. That's how it's been in this country. People don't want change. They don't want to see effective change in our churches. And that's really what is, look at America, look at the church. They parallel each other. 
They are the same entity. There's no mystery as to why America is decaying at the same time the church has decayed. They go hand in hand, faith and patriotism, hand in hand. And when one goes, the other follows. Every single time, never fails, always happens. And right now, what we're experiencing in this country is a lack of faith in our country, a lack of faith in our institutions. And that's because they've betrayed us. Our institutions have betrayed us. Our church leaders, like I said, as well as our leaders in Washington, have betrayed us, have promised false promises, have not delivered on promises, have forgotten their promises. And we are also responsible for some of the blame on that because we put our emphasis in believing in people. We've put our judgment in people. Our understanding of the world has now come through normal, common men and women who are flawed, who are failures in their own right, who are disgusting human beings many times. And we put our trust in these people. Where have we gone? Our focus needs to shift upwards to God. Without God in our lives, who are we as Christians? Nobody. Our whole basis of living is Christ. It's in the name Christianity. And we've forgotten that. We've walked away from God. And then we wonder, what's going on? Why is the world falling apart? Why is the pandemic going on? Why are we, as we scramble for answers and then we don't, actually want to get to the real answer of, well, because you forgot about God. Not saying the pandemic is because God, you know, abandoned us, but it does send a clear message. The pandemic definitely worked, obviously, in God's favor. Everything always does work in God's favor. That's how the world works. It always bends to the will of God, regardless of good and bad. But we always ask, why is this happening? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why are my relationships suffering? Why am I not having a good time at family gatherings anymore? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why am I this and this and this and this? And we're asking all those questions. And that's great. That's fantastic. That's what humans do. We ask questions. But we hardly ever want the real answer. Because the real answer is very scary. It's because you forgot about God. We forgot about God. That's why everything is so up in the air right now. Everyone's so confused. They don't know what to do. <laughs> they know what to do. Christians should know what to do. If you're a Christian, you don't know where to run to in times of trouble. You're not a Christian. I'll tell you that right now. You're a false Christian. We have a lot of those in the church right now. We have a lot of people that want to sit down and look good and talk nice and look fancy and look like you're living the good old Christian American dream. And you're not. You're fakes, you're phonies, you're liars to yourselves. You're thieves of the truth. You are not, you, what kind of act are you trying to put on? God is not a God of, of, uh, of looks and images. He's a God of action. Take action. This is a time of action right now. No, no time has ever been better than the present right now. And that is especially true right now of this generation that is always constantly on the go, constantly doing something, constantly going, 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 going. You cannot put off God's will in your life because when you do, things start to affect you negatively. All of a sudden, you know, that this, this path that looks so bright got real dark, real quick. And again, that's on us. 
that's always on us. And that's probably the toughest thing for humans to comprehend that it's always on us about being accountable to each other, to ourselves. The reason this happened is because I forgot to put the emphasis of faith in God. Because I chose to step away from God. Because I chose to abandon God. And some of us, unfortunately, never trusted God in the first place. Like I said, we're probably a bunch of phonies. A lot of Christians are phonies. I've seen this with my own eyes. I've been in church my whole life. I see people that go in, go in there for two weeks. They really like the sermon. They pop out, go to another church, come back in a month. They like it again. They're really loving this whole Christian thing. Go to another church, come back in six months. And that's how it goes. It's, it's, it's just complacent Christianity. You're not really dedicating yourself to God. You're not really sold on Christianity. You just like how it makes you feel sometimes when, it, when, it's, when it's good, when it's convenient. I have a lot of those people, old, old rats in the church, been there for 40, 50 years, and you can't even tell. They walk out of the, out of the auditorium, they walk out of the assembly, and it's the same old, same old, same old person. Nothing's changed. Still miserable. Quietly miserable, but he's miserable. Or she's miserable. And you wonder to yourself, wow, God really changed your life, huh? <laughs> it's, it's comical. It's ridiculous. And, he, and Christians have to stop lying to ourselves about who we really serve. Are you going to serve man and what he's proposing, all the lies that he's espousing? Are you going to serve the devil, all the lies that he's espousing? Or are you going to serve the God of truth and love and conviction and wrath and judgment? And harmony? Are you going to serve the line of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb? Or will you serve the goat that lives in hell and lurks around in every corner of this earth? We have to make that decision. And it's only our decision, it's nobody else's. And again, that's probably what's very scary to a lot of humans is that the onus is on us. We have to take initiative. We have to go and change something about ourselves, and we don't want to do that. Because, again, that takes that, that's a lot of effort. Ugh. Humans are scared of effort. Humans like being comfortable. We like staying where we are. And God is not about just staying where you're at. He is a, a river of truth that consistently and constantly flows. And you know what they say about rivers? When they end up, in a, end up being a swamp... Stagnant water, stagnant water is the deadliest, one of the deadliest, if not the deadliest organism, thing, living, dead, that you can find on the earth when it's toxic, when it's compromised, when it's contaminated. Contaminated water is the most deadly of anything in the world. It's very interesting. The one thing we all need as living creatures is water, and it's great. 70% of humans our water. The human body is made of water. So when you think about it, you're like, wow, you know, we really, we really rely on water. Yeah, because you need a constant burst of water. You need constant water in your life. God is that constant water. But when you stop drinking water or you drink bad water, what, you get dehydrated, you get thirsty, you die. Within three days of not having water, you die. That is a scientific fact. Why is that? You can go a whole month without eating. But when it comes to drinking water, you die in three days. 
Oh, when you drink bad water, oof, you are in pain and in hell for, for a while. Why is that? Because we need a constant oomph of clean water, a constant pouring into our lives of heavenly water. As Christians, that shouldn't be news. Unfortunately, for many of us, it is. And it's about time we clean up our act. It's about time we stop playing church. Stop playing the good old American family. God doesn't care about images. God is not a God of facades. God hates mirages. He loves seeing something concrete. Loves hearing that you're, that you're serving him constantly, that you're praising him constantly, even through the bad. Because through the bad, he makes good. Sounds like a, like a, like a dumb cliche. It's so true, though. You're going through this depression right now because he's preparing you for something greater on the other side. He's looking to better your life somewhere else. He's not about this whole, again, playing house, playing church thing. That doesn't fly with God. Fly is great with the devil. Fly is fantastic with Satan. But not with God. We need to be more honest with each other. Who do you serve? And answer it honestly. Because you could say the whole thing. I, I hear this a lot in, in church. Uh, these people that they, they're like, amen or yeah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, praise God. But they're probably like the, the worst people. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm saying I've seen and witnessed some people in the church that do that. They go up to the altar every single Sunday. Rededicate every single Sunday. That's great. But why do you have to keep on rededicating your life in public like that? Like a Pharisee. Not saying everyone's, you know, a Pharisee either for doing that. But I'm saying, why do you have to go to the altar every single time? Why do you have to go and show that you're being a good, oh, look at me. Look at how I'm praying for this person over here. We have a lot of those people. And I call them Pharisees because they are Pharisees. Jesus hated the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were all about the show, all about the flash, all about the look at me, look how much I read about the scriptures, look how much I memorized. Oh, I know the law back and forth, side to side. We have so many of those in the Christian church. It's so embarrassing. And again, they're not, I don't consider those Christians. I'm pretty sure God does not either because God does not go for the boastful tongue. It speaks about that plenty in the Bible. And we have a lot of that. It's, it's, we got to stop guys. We have to really focus on who we serve, who we trust with our lives. Because if you trust the devil with your life, oh, it's going to be fantastic here on earth. You're going to get a lot of riches and glory and fame. I see a lot of Christians, right? These artists that proclaim they're Christians. Uh, they're always, oh, you know, gracias a Dios y todo esto. And that's great. It's fantastic. But God is not about living a lavish lifestyle. I'm not saying you can't have a nice car every now and then, but 12 cars. Five mansions? I don't know. Seems kind of uh, devilish if you ask me. It's crazy. R what really passes for Christianity nowadays, like I said, these artists, that, they, that they're just kind of like, they're this warped version of this secular Christianity. Where we become so materialistic. We've been driven by the world. And again, that goes back to pr prosperity doctrine. Talk about Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen preaches this false doctrine, this false message that if you put your faith in God, your life is going to be 100% better materialistically. See, he's not wrong at the first part of that, 
It will be better when you have God in your life because he makes the storms more tolerable. He's walking in that storm with you through the valley of the shadow of death and you will have no fear because he will be with you. But it doesn't say there will be no valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say there will be no tribulations. There will be no depressions. There will be no anxiety. That's not what God's about. God doesn't take it away. Oh, make it go away. Okay, that, that's, that's like really terrible parenting. You expose the kid to what they fear the most. Say a scary ride. Then they get off it. Maybe they're crying. But next time they go to Disneyland, they're going to want to get back on Space Mountain. Maybe they're going to want to go on Splash Mountain on the, or on the Matterhorn or Haunted Mansion. Because they didn't like it the first time. They didn't know. They, they didn't know it, uncertainty. It was, it was ugh, it, it's too gray. I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know if I'm going to die. Will I die on this ride? You know, when I was a kid and they would take me to these rides. And it, 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 it is a very tough thing as, as a young kid experiencing, you know, a new thing. And it's funny because we never really change out of that as humans. We're never really not kids. We're always kids in some capacity because we always want to get what we want when we want it. And that's what a kid does. Or they'll say something inappropriate. Humans, adults do that all the time. So we're never really out of that form of being a kid. So when we see something new, we run from it. We say, "Ah, I don't want to go that way. I don't know about it. You know, I haven't been to that store. I don't know what their product looks like. I don't know uh, what that restaurant sells. I'm not familiar with that kind of food. What if I get sick? Uh, It's just, it's a lot of questioning, questioning, questioning. God is not about questions. God's about answers. God says, go and find out. God doesn't say, okay, we're not going to go on this ride. He says, no, we're going on this ride together and you're going to trust me because like a good parent, I will be there with you. I will go there with you through the darkest depths of your heart and your mind, of your life, I will be there with you. I will comfort you. I will support you. I will encourage you through the battle. I will motivate you to do better. And when we get up on the other side, you're going to be thankful. And you're going to trust me when I introduce you to another ride, to another store, to another experience entirely. That's what it means when we have to grow. We have to grow as Christians. We can't just stay in the same spot. You're not trusting God by just staying in one spot. That's showing that you're not trusting God. <laughs> that shows that you don't want to move because, you know, you're great. You know, it's fun. It was fun the first time. It was a good ride, but I don't want to go on that one again. That's showing you don't trust God. Because you're not, you're not down for the ride. You're down for that one ride one time. And that was great. And that, that was it. But you're not growing. You're not saturated with the word saturated with the spirit, not progressing. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, it's why we're going to suffer a very terrible fate. I was watching the Left Behind series. So many Christians will be left behind in the rapture. So many of us, because we thought we were living good little Christian lives, playing church, getting all dolled up on Sunday morning, been a terrible person on Saturday night, right? <laughs> Not saying you can't have fun. I'm saying you can't be exemplifying attitudes and moods that are anti-Christian throughout the entirety of the week. And then you come to Sunday and you pretend you're the best Christian ever. That's what you call a false Christian, a Pharisee. 
they miss the point entirely. We can't miss the point. Because when it comes to it, this point is an eternal point. You missed the boat on this, son. You missed the boat. You're not coming, you know, you're not going to feel good about that. You, no, no way. You know, it's either heaven or hell. Up or down. There's no, I just kind of want to stay right here in the middle. No, th this elevator is always moving up, down, taking people up and down all the time. So it's up to us. Do we want to change for God? Do we want to move with God? Because God is always moving. God is always flowing, always innovating, always coming up with something different. He's the most ingenious being in the history of the world. He created all this, and he's still creating it. When God called everything to creation, check it out. Scientists are still finding that space is still expanding because God called it into motion. And since he's called it into motion, he hasn't stopped creating it. It's still going. It's still expanding at a rapid pace. And why is that? Like I said, because he never told it to stop. Because he's always inventing something. And that's so cool about God is that he's always making something new. And just when you thought, nah, he says, oh yeah. And he renovates it. And that should get you guys pumped. That you worship a God like that. That you, that you're faithful to a being like that. That is always looking to just overflow your life with new creation. With a new hope. With restored faith. Restored prosperity in your own personal life. Not materialistically. But within yourself. Emotionally, mentally. He'll be there with you through the fights. I know a lot about mental illness. I know a lot about physical ailments. Those don't go away. We live in an imperfect world because of Adam and Eve, because of our sin, because of our own lust for power over God. We are in constant battle with Him on that front. We're all born into sin, unfortunately, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. But we do have a resurrected hope and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, who can redeem us, who can save us, who has saved many. And folks, I would encourage you not to give up on that hope and not to grow stale in your faith, grow stagnant. Don't be the old church. The old church is gone. The new church is coming. We are the new church. We are the new resurrected body of Christ and we will flesh out the evil that has penetrated the old church. And we are coming in and bestowing the greatness of God in his domain once again. We are reclaiming, we are renovating the church. Because it is our mandate as Christians to continue to renovate. To flush out the old, come in with the new. Get out the baggage and restore faith in the house of God and in the world. Like I said, the church leads by example. The church leads the world. When the, I told my buddy Brando this recently, just today on the text message, I said, Brando, the church is the leader of the world. We are the light. When our light goes out, where does the world turn to? Where is the hope? 
There is none because now the light's gone. Now everyone's in the dark. We need to flick that light back on. And I encourage you guys to do it with me. Uh, it's going to be an extraordinary time to be alive, guys. In the next couple of um, couple of months and years, I kid you not, God is moving. God is moving quick. Do not take me for a fool on that message. I swear it's, it's going to happen quick. Things are going to really be ramping up right now because the devil sees that his opportunity is gone away. He, the demons are working faster because they know that the trumpet sound is about to come down. So they're going to work overtime, especially within Christianity. They want to tear us apart. That's why it says in the scriptures in, in the last days, we will have Christians openly sinning and calling it good. Because if there's one thing the devil wants to do to God's people is show that they're imperfect and that they're beyond saving to God. His whole emphasis, the devil's whole emphasis has been throughout his life, throughout his existence, was to prove God wrong. From the very get, when he got thrown out of heaven, he was trying to prove God wrong and saying that, no, you're not the ruler of heaven. I'm the ruler of heaven. I'm the creator, not you. The creation turned on the creator and he made the other creation, humans, turn on their creator. That's always been his end goal, was to show God that even your own creation hates you. Just give the power to me. He's a very disgusting being, jealous, selfish, miserable, pathetic, bitter, disgusting being, the devil. That's all he's ever going to be. And that's why he's like, well, if I'm going to be miserable, we all know that one person at a party, right? If they're miserable, they want to make everybody else miserable too. Or that one person, a coworker at work. Same way. Just think of the devil, the same exact spirit of, I'm going to get what I want, so no one's going to get what I want. I had it. I had heaven. I was in heaven. You look up the description of the devil, the most amazing being ever constructed, the most beautiful thing ever made in heaven and on the earth. A Lucifer. But what happened? And he got ahead of himself. Started beating, started uh, listening to himself too much. Started dancing to the beat of his own drum. And as we will all soon find out, those who dance to the beat of their own drum will not find themselves in the good graces of our Lord and Savior. So let's be the change. Let's affect change in a positive manner in our communities, in our relationships with people, with friends, family, relatives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives. Let's be the change. Let's show people we're serious. Let's show them something different. It's our mandate as Christians, and it's our mandate from our God above. So with that, I end this message for today. Um, we'll see what happens over the course of the last week. Like I said, I just, I just came up with this message I didn't come up with it. God gave me this message. I heard a pastor say that one time. Oh, I saved 12 people the other day. Oh, really? You did? Okay, that, that's cute. You saved them? Yeah, no, you didn't. Jesus saved them. God constructed this message. He relayed it to me, and I am simply revealing it to you guys. And that's really how today worked. I wasn't planning on doing a sermon today. I just got had the prompting. God gave me a prompting, told me, hey, write this down. Do this, do that, 
you're doing this today. And so me, being the servant I am to him, obviously being a Christian, I have to do what I'm told. And uh, that's how it should be with everybody. Go follow us on Facebook at Calvin Olivas and on Instagram at Olivas Calvin. I never, um, never post on Instagram. I feel like it's very narcissistic of us to... Uh, just be pointing the phone at us ourselves all the time, but go follow us on Instagram anyway. Maybe I'll promote the show on there soon enough. I don't even know. I, I highly doubt it, but uh, go check it out. Also go follow us. I said on Facebook, I'm not doing Twitter just cause right now, Jack Dorsey's being led by the devil and shutting off conservative voices, Christian voices, because it doesn't fit with his, with his agenda, the devil's agenda, the world's agenda, this ideology that God sucks, that humans are awesome. That's what Jack Dorsey believes. Jack, Jack Dorsey is a radical leftist, extremist, donates to Antifa. He is uh, espousing these worldviews that are totally anti-Christian. And it's, it's not by surprise. We know why it's happening, because he works on behalf of the world. This is how it works. So, and I know Mark Zuckerberg does the same thing, but he has not, he's not done it to the extent that Jack Dorsey's done it. So I guess in that sense, I'm still, you know, kind of, you're still kind of in in that same bracket, Mark Zuckerberg, but it, it, it is what it is. I mean, at some point, and then when they do parlor, like social media had this whole thing with, for conservatives or just people in general who love free speech, then they all of a sudden, they shut that off. Apple and Amazon shut off parlor. So I couldn't even get, I got on parlor for like, had it for like two months. And then they just took it off of Amazon and the Apple store. So I couldn't download it again. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to sue them. I heard that they're going to sue them. Parler was going to sue Amazon and Apple, but we'll see how that all pans out. But, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but anyways, uh, check us out on Facebook at Calvin Olivas and on Instagram at Olivas Calvin. And thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you guys very soon um, on the Truth Podcast with Calvin Olivas. Until next time, we'll see you guys. God bless you.